You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Health Hub. My name is Kathy Biasse, and I am your host. And along with Alex Diaz, we'd like to welcome you to the show today. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Kathy. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? Keeping well. I had a enjoyable experience this weekend. Oh, tell us about so, it. So um, this weekend, I actually had the privilege of going to Saint Joseph the Worker Parish, and I took in their uh, passion play. Oh, nice. It was something that uh, they actually have been doing for many years. And this was my first experience attending it. And the youth there that put on the play, their enthusiasm really came through. Especially being Holy Week this week, I was very fortunate to be able to witness that. For me, when I go to Mass and hear the readings, it's one thing hearing them but to, be, to have it reenacted really helped me personally this week, for sure. Lovely. Was it within the Mass, or was it a special presentation? It was a special presentation. They, they've actually had two this past weekend, and they have one more performance on Good Friday itself. Oh, lovely. Where's St. Joseph the Worker? I can find out a little bit more, because I can't remember at the moment, and perhaps we'll... Uh, inform our listeners. Yeah, I think it's fairly close to my neck of the woods. It is so nice to have it acted out. Uh, at Christmas time at our church, we have um, for the homily, or for the homily, for the, the reading, we have um, the last two years, two or three years, we've had a mom and a dad, Mary and Joseph, and an actual baby. And they have, you know, the children from the various feeder schools come and they do all the, the lovely sing. It's beautiful. So, that and the music really do take uh, a mass to a different level. Yeah, it, it's located in Vaughan. On, it's in Vaughan. Uh, 191 Wade, Wade Gate. Oh, okay, so it's not the church I was thinking of. But that sounds lovely. Yeah, and Holy Week is a nice time to act. You know, I was walking in and we were talking about how busy it was here at the studio for the staff being Holy Week. And um, one of the ladies said, well, it's time, you know, it is a real time for reflection. And I said, when do you reflect? When do we have time to do reflection? And at, at an event like this, that's where you find the time to do reflection. So lovely. And it was put on by by children or teens or the youth group? By or? teens. They were a large youth group. There were about 200 uh, uh, youth involved, I believe. 200? I believe so, yes. Wow. And one person played the role of Jesus? Is that how they, they well, did it? Well, actually, the one, uh, the one who played Jesus also played Moses in the performance. So um, his, his evening is uh, quite jam-packed as... As everybody's is, but uh, he really portrayed Moses and Jesus very well. It speaks I, I really nicely the, to the, the name of the actor's name, but uh, he he pulled it off beautifully. Two hundred kids that that speaks nicely to the to the youth movement. Right. Boy, it's nice to see the young the young people getting involved in the churches. Things like that that draw draw them in too. Yeah, um, yeah, lovely, lovely. Our show today is live. Um, you can reach us at. 416-245-1534. You can also follow us on our social platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the Health Hub RMC. And if you would like to talk to or email Alex, myself, or have any questions about today's show or any of the past shows, you can email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. I want to apologize uh, before we get started here. I'm at the tail end of some laryngitis so I, I have my water today, apropos to the show, um, and I'll do my best to get through. I'm hoping Alex and Antonio here will, will carry, me, carry me through this event without much difficulty. 
So let's get on with it. So I wanted to talk to you today about a superfood, and it's called baobab. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. I always say baobab, but then if someone in the know from the, the country that originates may call it something differently. But baobab is a tree, and it's native to Africa. It's also in Madagascar, Arabia, and Australia from what my research has shown. And it's one of the largest and oldest trees in the world. It's actually, if you Google it, it's a magnificent-looking tree. It reminds me of uh, one of the trees in the Disney movies, the tree that stood alone. I can't remember the name of the movie. And the fruit of this tree resembles a large mango or a coconut. It has a bit of a sour taste in the powder. Um, and people call it sour gourd or monkey's bread, it's called. <clears throat> we get it here um, as a powder. So the fruit is grinded up into a powder form. I have not seen the fruit here. If anyone has seen the fruit here or knows where to get it, I'm very interested to, to give it a try. But in the powdered form, uh, we get it in bags. You can get it all over the place. It's it's a hugely nutritious supplement or food. I hate to say supplement, but it is something you can supplement to your to your smoothies and so forth. But it's a hugely nutritious powder. It contains vitamin C, calcium, iron, potassium, magnesium, and assortment of other oxidants, antioxidants. So great for bone health with all the calcium and magnesium and super supporting for our immune system with its high, high content of vitamin C. It's also great for detoxification and it's huge in both soluble and insoluble fiber. So the detoxification aspect of that is helps with move our stools along, but also the soluble fiber acts as a prebiotic. So wonderful for gut health. And a tablespoon contains about two grams of fiber. So that's a lot of fiber for this, this great fruit. Um, I use it mainly in smoothies. I have tried it in baking a bit. I, I have to admit I'm not on the forefront of the baking industry. I don't bake a lot. So I have sprinkled it. I've never used any, any of it in place of a flour or an ingredient. Um, I keep mainly to the smoothies. But a wonderful, wonderful um, additive to, to your day, a great way to get a good kick of antioxidants and a great way to add up to that 40 grams of fiber that we are trying to achieve every single day. So hopefully you'll, you'll um, take a look at that. I can actually maybe take a picture of the package I have and I'll put it back up on the Facebook page. I think I posted it to my own page a while ago, but I'll do that. I'll post a picture of, of the uh, packaging and give you a heads up onto that. So today we are talking about water, and you are going to, I'm sure you all have a a fairly good idea of how important water is, but we're going to drive it home today, along with a lot of other key information on the subject. And our guest today is Pure 2O founder Antonio Ternuto. He is a pioneer in the water filtration and purification industry. He has been dedicated to improving the quality of drinking water for his clients for more than 30 years. His first office was open in Toronto, Canada, providing water purification systems for residential and commercial use. Using his expertise and seeing the health and environmental dangers of plastic bottles and a real need to eliminate them from landfills, he partners with Mitsar Turdui, and he will correct me if I've said that wrong, to offer state-of-the-art drinking and cooking water syst- watering systems as well as whole house filtration systems to the United States. So we will be back in a few minutes, and we will be talking to Antonio. I woke up this morning, saw a world full of trouble. Now I thought, how do we ever get so far down? And how's it ever going to turn around? So I turned my eyes to heaven. I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty, children sold into slavery. The thought disgusted me, so I shook my fist at heaven. I said, God, why don't you do something? He said, I did. Time for us to do 
to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. As mentioned, our show is live. You can call us at 416-245-1534. And we welcome Antonio today. Good morning, Antonio. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you for having me on the show. I know you're on the road, but I think uh, we actually had Antonio uh, scheduled to come on next week. He'll be in Italy, so uh, I think this is a better a better venue for us calling from Denver, isn't it? Yes, actually, I'm in Denver for the Water Quality Association annual conference, and uh, very exciting. Yeah, always looking for new uh, uh, projects, new um, equipment. So we're uh, we are basically, we're very happy to be here. Great. You can give us some of the cutting-edge things maybe that you've seen as we go through the, uh, the talk today. So let's, let's get to it. Let's start off really wide and come in. Why do we need water? Uh, water, uh, as everyone knows, but I'll remind everyone, <laughs> it's a part of our bodies. 75% of an adult uh, human body is composed by water. Our blood is 95% water. Um, our brain is 99% water. So uh, imagine how important is water for our uh, livelihood, how uh, impacts our health uh, negatively or positively, depending on what quality, what type of water we use. Um, so water is essential for life. I mean, plants need water uh, to live. Uh, it, it is the most important, together with air, of course, um, the most important, uh, let's, you want to call it commodity or, or mm-hmm. element of life um, that uh, everyone needs to survive and to live. So it is extremely important, the type of water that we put into our bodies and wash and cook, and we'll get to all of that as well. But maybe you could tell us, you know, just in broad sweeps or however is best for you to sort of explain it, what is the difference between good water and bad water? Well, the difference is people recognize good water and bad water from taste when they drink it or from smell when they're running their tap or the showering or they're smelling uh, different uh, type of odors. Um, the most common one, if you live in a city, it would be chlorine, which uh, it is bleach and uh, the town needs to need to put it in the, in the water to protect us from bacteria growth. But unfortunately, there are consequences to that because it is still a chemical contaminant and uh, although it does its job up to our um, house, then once it's inside our home, we need to remove it. And that's just an example. But the, the difference between good and bad water is often referred and um, by taste. So people will recognize good water when it tastes good and bad water when it doesn't. Um, so that's a very uh, simplistic way of, uh, of uh, putting it. Okay, I just want to step back to the chlorination in the water and maybe get, get to the explaining that a little bit. You know, we have a site, um, and you can go to it. I, I don't remember it off the top of my head. Is it 
well water or, or springwater.ca. And you could go to different springs and fill up your water bottles. My father-in-law used to do it. And so why, why can we go there and get water untreated? And yet when it's coming into our homes, we have to have the chlorination put into it. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're putting this out. Um, it, the, the spring waters that were always tainted as the best water in the world until uh, recently are unfortunately not more what we thought they were. Um, spring waters in general are referred to like well water, artesian uh, water wells. It uh, doesn't matter how deep they are. Unfortunately, they do not guarantee quality. Actually, most of the time, and mo- a lot of these uh, sources are being uh, shut down because of contamination. Most of the times, they are not um, suitable for consumption. And uh, they, the sites where the water gets tested uh, will actually, um, unfortunately, lately, they, they've been finding more and more of these closing down So we, because of the contamination problem. I mean, let's remember, we are in a contaminated world where only 3%, I repeat, 3% of the global water is potable. Really? So we compromised our environment uh, completely. And uh, these sources, these spring waters where our grandfathers or our fathers and parents used to go and uh, fill their, their damijanes, their, their, mm-hmm. their big containers uh, to bring home, um, are, are unfortunately not what they used to be. And uh, the the difference with spring water that is not treated and the town water that is treated is that, yes, in town water we have the addition of uh, chlorination. Uh, ammonia towns uh, are now adding ammonia because chlorine is causing a lot of byproducts and uh, they are, that are even more toxic than chlorine itself. So um, ammonia uh, is being used as a secondary disinfectant to avoid the byproducts, like the trihalomethanes, uh, the haloacetic acids that are very common in the municipal water. And the town cannot control anymore the level, so they have to switch or use temporarily in certain instances uh, the ammonia. And ammonia... Although it, uh, it, it solves part of the problem, it's, it's another chemical contaminant that uh, forms chloramines. And chloramines are um, the new contaminants that uh, the towns are trying to tackle. So in general, uh, this spring water, although it's not, uh, being, uh, it's not regulated, and that's a problem, um, if it's not tested properly uh, and, or continuously, it could be a it could be harmful to consumption. Uh, town water, although it has these chemical contaminants that are being added and other stuff, it's being tested continuously. So um, I have to say this because it's important: uh, when the town tells you the water is safe, it is safe, but to legal standards. So they allow these contaminants in the water um, that uh, will not affect you in the, in the immediate uh, time, uh, but it will, they will take a toll to your health in the long run. In the long term. Now, it, what, what happened? That's not the end point, though, is it? The, to purify the water or take rid of the contaminants with the ammonia and the chlorine. We still, after it gets to our house, there are certain issues that we may need to be aware of, like piping and so forth. Is that true? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, depending on the how old the home is, unfortunately, until 1985, I believe, and I'm not, I'm not sure of the date, exact date, but um, lead solder, solder was, uh, was allowed. Um, so all the piping, although it was copper, they were being soldered with partially uh, sold with solder that had partially uh, amounts of uh, of lead. Um, so corrosion, which happens 
normally in uh, in these uh, infrastructure in the in the plumbing of our own home or the plumbing outside of our home uh, cause leaching of of these contaminants and lead has been in the news uh, for Flint, Michigan. Um, that was the the biggest one lately, uh, but. Um, Unfortunately, these contaminants leach in water continuously, and although the the town, the municipalities are trying hard to minimize the impact, um, we really at uh, in our home we need to take action. Okay, and that's what we do. Now, what are the major sources of contamination in our environmental water? What 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 causes these contaminations to come into our water system? We can start from our own home. Whatever you put down the drain eventually makes it to the water source, to to the to the water streams. Like in Toronto, for example, since we're talking to the Canadian audience, the Toronto audience, um, we we have Lake Ontario where uh, it's uh, where the water is being uh, drawn by the, by the city, and uh, fortunately, all all our um, uh, waste, water waste, uh, soaps, uh, leeches that we use, detergents, uh, nitrates that we put on on the lawns. Although they've they've been banned for for a few years now in Toronto, but outside of Toronto they haven't. Uh, they do leach. They go underground and they um, make their way to the to the source. They make their way to the lake where we take the water again and bring it back in. So. It's a it's a vicious cycle, and um, so the the contamination starts from our home, and we have to be aware of that because a lot of it happens in within our household. Of course, uh, industries waste waste uh, a lot of um, contaminants, and they're being regulated. Uh, unfortunately, just uh, the last uh, twenty twenty five years, uh, this has started. Now they're becoming more stringent the regulations. Uh, but the damage is done. And um, although we are minimizing it as much as possible with regulations and laws, um, we still pollute. Has agriculture contributed to this at all? Con- agriculture, it's, uh, definitely. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, the nitrates uh, that are being used to grow um, vegetables and fruits, um, the pesticides are used to uh, to uh, basically protect uh, from insect from insects uh, to protect their crops, make their way to our water. Um, so uh, yes, agriculture is one of uh, the, actually the biggest contamination. The other thing I was reading about, uh, you know, preparing for our, our conversation today is the number of medications that are dumped down drains. And I don't know if people understand the effect that that has on our water system. Yeah. There are studies um, all over the world, uh, in North America, which unfortunately they find in water uh, large amounts of uh, estrogens, hormones, um, they find uh, illegal drugs, um, they find uh, all types of uh, pharmaceuticals, not because people dump them in the toilet uh, or just flush them down, but remember when we uh, assume uh, medication, uh, whether you have a, a cold or uh, you, you have a chronic uh, disease like diabetes or high blood pressure, we continue to take medication. And when we urinate, it's, um, and basically um, we are expelling most of this medication that the body doesn't hold. So we, we are contaminating our sources uh, naturally, not only by, not throwing, the, the, by throwing the medication in, in the waste. Yes, that happens as well, but I think the people now understand that it's not a good practice and that there are ways to dispose of, uh, of medication. Okay. And before we go to break in a couple of minutes, maybe you could just, uh, as, to set us up for the second half of the show, can you tell us what the difference between alkaline and acidic water is and, what, and why that makes a difference to us? 
Well, we uh, alkaline is a buzzword nowadays. So everybody probably uh, refers to water, and everybody's saying alkaline is the greatest buzzword for you and everything else. Yes. Um, they, Antonio. Antonio, yeah. we're gonna. Our connection is is not very good at all. So we're gonna go to a break, and we're gonna give you a quick call back because it's the line is breaking up. So we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. prisoner free there is no end to what its power can do so let it go and be amazed by what you see through eyes of grace the prisoner that it really freezes you forgiveness wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. 
Welcome back, everybody. Again, we are live. You can reach us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at the Health Hub RMC. I've also just quickly posted um, a little picture of the Baobab package, so you can take a look at that. Sorry about that interruption, Antonio. Um, we all good now? I'm here. Okay, great. So before the break, I asked you what the difference between acidic water is and alkaline water is. So continue with that. Um, Yes, well, alkaline water and acidic water are differentiated uh, usually for uh, the uh, mineral content. So a a water that is acidic has a low pH. That uh, in turn uh, makes the water aggressive and corrosive. The reason is because it's lacking minerals, um, water naturally is looking to neutralize itself. So it, it will take uh, minerals wherever it can find it. So, and that's the corrosive nature of the, of the water. So we like to use alkaline water because it's a water that is rich with, of minerals. Um, minerals in, uh, in water raise the pH natural, make the water tastier make the water healthier for us to uh, to use uh, and the the benefits are are enormous now do they so, yes. would would acidic water react with minerals that are within our own body acidic water will uh, take minerals out of your body they it will actually leach minerals out of our body so as soon as we ingest uh, demineralized water like distilled water or reverse osmosis water um, our the first thing the water does is starts taking starts starts neutralizing itself by taking minerals from your 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 bones from your teeth from your from whatever you could find it. Uh, just to give an example: acidic water uh, will if it if you run it into a copper pipe, it will eventually uh, put holes through it. So imagine what it can do to our body. Okay, so when you're when you're filtering water, then yeah. is it important to put the minerals like when you're you're putting it through a purification system and it takes everything yeah. out, is it important yeah. to put those minerals back into the water? Absolutely. Um, we are known for our system, uh, for our drinking system, we call it the alkaline plus because of um, these particular characteristics. Um, we do demineralize the water during purification. So we, in order to strip all the unwanted contaminants, we use reverse osmosis. And reverse osmosis is very efficient and very effective at removing these contaminants. The problem with reverse osmosis is that it doesn't recognize good and bad. In order to remove the bad, it removes also the minerals. So produces pure water, but demineralized at the same time. Um, so to offset this problem, after the purification stage, we reintroduce basic minerals, uh, calcium, magnesium, and potassium. And these minerals are not reintroduced for nutritional value. Uh, remember that uh, water has two important jobs. One is to hydrate, of course, and the second one, is to provide electrolytes for muscle functioning. Minerals in water are not being replaced by minerals in in our diet, in our foods. Um, So we need to uh, uh, provide these electrolytes in water um, in order to take care of our um, muscles. Uh, And our main muscle is our heart. So that's how important it is to have minerals in water. Now, as I said, these minerals are not for nutritional value, but just for the electrolytes and also for taste. And these minerals, especially magnesium and calcium, will give a very uh, great taste to the water. Um, so they, these minerals are put back in to elevate the pH of the water, which has great beneficial effects uh, on our body. So we are just basically helping our body uh, neutralize the uh, the acidic environment that we, and the acidic diet that we have, uh, the coffee, the stress. Um, so the this the higher pH in water is just another element, like nutrition, and you that you know that very well. Like a good uh, um, exercise, having exercise every day, good a good walk. Um, it's a combination. It's not the only. Uh, solution to being healthy. It's 
it is definitely very important. Um, and we deal with nutritionists and uh, wellness practitioners in general. And we address this issue uh, because the, the, the type of system that we install uh, not only uh, makes the water alkaline, but also ionizes the water. It breaks it down to smaller clusters. It helps detoxifying our body. So there is a, a lot, a lot to say, but the main difference between uh, alkaline and, and acidic water is the pH. Is the pH? Um, so a higher pH, above seven, uh, is referred as alkaline. A lower pH below seven is considered uh, acidic. Now we had a question pop in here um, about a what is distilled water and. They thought that distilled water was healthy. Is that correct? No, distilled water is uh, is a water that has uh, no ions in the water, so it's dead water. It's H two O, and in nature, in a perfect world, and unfortunately we don't live in it anymore. Uh, distilled water would be the perfect water. That, that's in theory. Um, it, so basically, rainwater would be the distilled water. Unfortunately, when it falls, it uh, it picks picks up uh, all kinds of contaminants, atmospheric contaminants due to uh, um, the pollution. And when it reaches the ground, it's not distilled anymore. So in theory, it's a perfect. That would be the perfect water. It's not healthy because it has no minerals. Uh, in again, in theory, it's is a completely um, uh, it is a dead water. It has no ions in it, so it cannot give you any any beneficial effects. Uh, but uh, is it, that's what we refer to a good starting point to then add minerals. So when we are what we're doing with reverse osmosis, it's basically almost the same as distillation. Uh, it's a different process. Um, but uh, the the end result is uh, very similar. So we try to reduce water that is contaminated to perfect water. Then this water is ready now for us to put back the minerals that we really need for our nutrition and for our well-being. When we boil water, is that purifying the water? So for tea, for pasta... Yeah, it is important as well. Um, people refer to water only uh, usually for drinking. Um, cooking, making coffee, making pasta, making rice, soups, it's as crucial, if not more. We tend to forget that, um, depending where you're getting the water from, of course, uh, if you give the example of the city water that is already contaminated with, with chemicals, and when we are boiling that water, we are actually making a concentration of these chemicals. Yes, some of them will evaporate, but most of them will actually make their way to to the good food that you put in that water. You went out of your way to buy an organic chicken from the farmer, and you want to do a, a soup, a healthy soup for your family. And what you do, you come back home with this. You want. With, with this great uh, uh, food and you're recontaminating by turning on the tap water. Um, because and when you're boiling it, all these uh, contaminants, they get concentrated and they get transferred to your food. So the same thing applies for coffee, the same thing applies for tea, uh, ice making, uh, all that. So it's important when you're boiling water, the only thing you're doing is killing bacteria. So if you're on a well situation, it could be beneficial to boil the water, just at least to protect you from uh, from bacteria. So you you'll you'll have to boil the water for a few minutes to make sure that if there are any bacterial viruses or uh, they they get they get basically neutralized. Uh, but in the city water, boiling water is actually counter counter effect. Hmm, interesting. Now, before we get into um, a topic that I know you're very passionate about, is the plastics, a water bottle situation in the environment. Explain to me what you would describe as a good-tasting water. Good-tasting water is 
it, it takes it very subjective, but uh, in, in the many years that I've been doing uh, water filtration and purification, um, people refer as good water as water that is light, that has minerals, so it tastes good, uh, has a, almost a sweeter taste to it. And that's what most of people I know like water, like what... So the the, the it, that that doesn't give you a a bitter aftertaste. So it leaves you nice uh, uh, round uh, taste to your leaves a nice nice aftertaste to your to your mouth. Um, the water that unfortunately uh, a lot of people drink from the plastic, uh, and it's been in the news lately here in the states. I'm not sure in Toronto, but we we. There are uh, there are studies where there are microscopic uh, parts of plastic in these bottles, and unfortunately, uh, they happen uh, during storage, during transportation. The different temperature these uh, bottles are exposed to break down the plastic and create uh, create this problem. So, um, good water is. It's a very subjective uh, um, taste. Taste is very subjective, but people love the uh, the fact of having a sweeter tasting, lighter tasting water. Okay. Now to the plastics, and the I, I think what was in the news was um, there were a couple of famous people who claimed that leaving their water bottles, their plastic water bottles, in their car and, and on a hot summer day, and the plastic leached into the water, um, which is which is you know, well known that when you heat plastics, the the contaminants can leach into the water. But you made a point saying that even in the travel time and where these water bottles are stored on on route to us, so that that's a very important point. Something that I actually never thought about is is how these water bottles are stored on our way to us. Yes, the, there is no there is no regulation. The only thing what that uh, water uh, bottling plants do. By law, they have to put ozone in order to to eliminate the possibility of bacteria growth. Uh, and uh, therefore, once they do that, they can put a stamp on the bottle that it will expire in, in 24 months, so two years. So theoretically, from the time of uh, bottling to the time of consumption, you could go um, 24 months. So uh, imagine in all that time, if, uh, if the water makes the two years, uh, the, the storage uh, facilities don't not always uh, refrigerated. Um, uh, even if and if they are, uh, that water came from another environment, from the factory to the truck. So not always it's, it's an ideal situation. A lot of these plastic bottles, this bottle bottled water, come from far away. Um, they come from the from the Far East. They come from uh, Italy, from France, from uh, different parts of from Greece, from Portugal, from different parts of the world. And that's an even uh, um, biggest concern. Uh, transportation is is a big issue with the possible leaching of it into the water. And what exactly is leaching into the water from the plastic bottles? Um, the main concerns are uh, are basically the phthalates that uh, that uh, are transferred to the water, the PCBs. Um, plastic is a derivation of, of oil. Uh, it's made with, uh, with with oil. So we, unfortunately, there is a lot of contaminants that can make their way into the water, and this happens also not only when it's uh, it's a uh, higher temperature, it's hotter, that breaks down the plastic. Even in cold temperature, when you freeze your bottle, I know, I know a lot of people that put their bottles in the freezer, so in the morning they pick it up and say, oh, it'll stay, it'll stay cold the whole day. But when you're freezing it, you're breaking down the plastic as well. So that's, uh, that's another, that's part of the problem. I didn't know that myself. I didn't know. Yeah. And and then what about the environmental aspect that uh, I know that you're very passionate about, the environmental aspect of these water bottles? Yes, our company started as a, uh, with an environmental uh, mission, um, eliminating these plastic bottles. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you're aware of, but 
you probably are. Um, people can Google this, uh, the Pacific Gyre. Um, it's, uh, there is a big vortex of plastic in the middle of the Pacific um, that is the size twice the state of Texas. In the middle of the Pacific Ocean? In the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It's becoming such a big problem, environmentally, of course, because fish eat plastic and they die for that reason. They get contaminated. We eat the fish, we get contaminated. Um, but the, now, and I heard this yesterday in one of our seminars, um, the ships have to go around it now. That's how big of a problem is becoming, uh, because this plastic will will get will get caught by the propellers and cause problems with the engines of the of the ship. So not only it's becoming an environmental problem, it's also another it's becoming a practical problem for uh, shipping companies. So it's it's a it's a mess, and uh, it, it this gyre is not the only one. Um, there are uh, I think. Five of them, five or six of them around the, uh, the world, but the Pacific one is the the uh, the, the most known one. And it, I would encourage people to Google uh, the gyre message from the gyre. It's a two-minute movie. Um, it's in, it's incredible, and that will give you an idea of what what mess we cause to this world. I'll put that up on the Facebook page. And it's G-Y-R-E? G-Y-R-E? G-Y-R-E, yes. Message mm-hmm. from the Gyre. Okay, I will put that up on the Facebook That's page. Title. And it's, uh, it is uh, eye, eye-opening. Okay, very interesting. So now explain to me about what your system does. And is this a, a kitchen system or is this a whole house system? Do we need, do we need a whole house we, system? We do everything. We do whole houses talk about the residential. Um, yes, we do whole house systems and we do point of view system. Now, a complete system involves both. Um, a whole house system is not designed for drinking, although you'll hear uh, the odd uh, uh, water treatment supplier telling you, oh, you put a whole house system, you'll have great drinking water at every tap. Unfortunately, it's not true. Um, whole house systems are designed to filter water. The second system that we put under the kitchen sink that we had just described earlier is the purification system. So there is a big distinction between filtration and purification. And people need to understand this. And that, that's part of our mission. We try to educate. People are smart enough to, to choose, but we have to give them the right information. So filtration is, happens at whole house level and it takes care of chlorine, chlorine byproducts, uh, heavy metals in general, but it doesn't tackle the pharmaceuticals, the nitrates, uh, the, um, the stronger uh, contaminants that require contact time. That we cannot provide at whole house level because we would have to slow down the flow of the water, and it's not practical because our dishwasher wouldn't work properly, our washing machine, uh, it would be hard to take a shower, and so we filter the water, we pre-filter it for the consumption system, which is the one that goes under the sink. Now, depending on the issues of the uh, water that we're dealing with, we'll, uh, pro- we'll provide uh, um, a solution. So if you are on hard water, usually we, we um, suggest a water softener. If you're on city water, usually suggest an activated carbon system. Um, but the, the issues could be various. So you might need both. Uh, you might need just one of them. It depends. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's designed for your shower and bathing. I want to remember everyone that our skin is our largest organ. We absorb through the skin many, many contaminants. Um, and it's, it's incredible how... Um, how these contaminants get get absorbed and go straight to our bloodstream. Um, the, I always make this, this example. Athletes have to be careful on the creams that they use because of substance um, uh, enhancement. Um, uh, so, if they use the wrong cream, that that uh, uh, 
absorbed uh, into your imagine, skin. Yeah, imagine water that is so much more soluble. The contaminants in water get are readily absorbed by our body and go straight to our blood circulation. So that's how important it is to have a whole health system, a good one. Uh, at point of views, and, the, and that's where we complete the system, uh, we put a purification that we described earlier, that we usually use reverse osmosis, and then we have the remineralization stage that makes it, brings the water from safe to healthy. And that's where we promote healthier water. Uh, now, all we do, we do it always with an eye to the environment, thinking about the environment. So all the equipment that we provide uh, are uh, environmentally um, um, oriented, so they're green. We reverse uh, osmosis, um, a lot of people know them because they've been around for many, many years. They're known for wasting a lot of water. We achieved, and that's the reason why we do the water quality convention every year, because we update our uh, products continuously. Uh, we achieved uh, a one-to-one gallon of water that we produce for our drinking in the kitchen, not the whole house, just the drinking, will waste one gallon of water. But we are always looking to um, to improve these ratios. And we are there are a new uh, technology happening, and that we are ready to to take on to take on after we we test them ourselves. So um, we always have an eye to the environment. And, and I have to say, during the seminars uh, that I did yesterday, more and more, even when I was talking about water softeners and chlorides in the environment, um, there are companies and industries, factories that are, are manufacturers actually, that are um, very concerned and are reducing the, uh, making these systems very efficient in order to reduce the waste and contamination. Okay, that's great. We have to wrap it up here, Antonio. Unfortunately, the time has flown by. Um, I will put all the information of Antonio's system and his website up onto our face page, and that will be ready there for you. And again, if you need to contact us or you need to come through us to get to Antonio, we will be happy to put you in touch with him. Antonio, thank you so much uh, for joining us from Denver. I know you've got a busy day ahead of you. And everybody, we will join you next week on The Health Hub. Hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.